Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so glad you're here today. We have Julie Ann Lee. She is back with us. Um, For those of you that have not had a chance to listen to the first podcast on Leaky Gut, I want to give you a little bit of an idea as to who she is um, and what she has dedicated herself uh, to. She's the owner and practitioner of some of the busiest uh, and longest standing holistic veterinary hospitals and clinics in North America. And she's dedicated herself and her life's work as a practitioner, teacher, and consultant. She also holds a diploma in classical homeopathy from the Vancouver Academy of Homeopathy. So I am so glad you're here today. Joining us again, Julianne. Thank you. Glad to be back. Awesome. Well, today we are going to really dive in a little deeper and, and start really discussing yeast and how that relates to health, um, and how, you know, really getting to the root of it rather than masking symptoms. Um, so, so as we've spoken before, you have created some amazing products, um, again, that really work to get to the root of it. Um, we have so many pets that are plagued with yeast issues. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, Kind of some of the signs between allergies, yeast. I think there's a lot of confusion out there when it comes to those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a fine line between leaky gut and yeast and allergies and food sensitivities and environmental sensitivities. It's a it's one of the things that I try and when I'm consulting with veterinarians that have they have it's the hardest thing for them to really wrap their heads around because it's a it's a delicate balance of that so you know as we spoke in the the last one I'm not going to get into it too much but leaky gut is um sort of the end result of the of the gut lining being traumatized and Mm -hmm. what can traumatize the gut lining is um everything from drugs to poor quality food to glyphosates to a number of issues um definitely definitely uh something called dysbiosis which is the main cause of antibiotics but yeast is also something that is really really hard on the gut lining they're spiky little um harsh uh microbes that that really play havoc on, on the gut, on the gut lining. So when you're dealing with yeast, it's not just a one all fix all cure all thing because you're going to have to deal with yeast. And then you're going to have to deal with the, with the aftermath of what the yeast has done to the gut lining. Uh, it, it, um, it can show up really similar and it can also be at the same time. So mm. you can have allergies, you can have leaky gut, and you can have yeast. So they can simultaneously work all at the same time. So you've 
when you're approaching skin disease in, in general, which was a big, that in cancer was a huge part of my practice. Uh, you have to be able to really monitor it and choose on, uh, choose your next sort of course of action based on how the animal is, is reacting to, to its, um, protocols. So, in the day, like, you know, I've been researching gut health for about 20, 23 years. And in the day, everybody was using, and still does to this day, everybody's using probiotics to fight yeast. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that when it works, it works. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, um, an accurate thing to do. But what happens is you wind up getting something called, um, a die off. Mm. So if you're not using probiotics in the correct way, you can kill the yeast too fast. And then the yeast dies off too fast. And then the reaction looks like the yeast is getting worse. And then you wind up going back to the vets and sure enough, it still has some yeast. So they think that the yeast is getting worse and Mm -hmm. puts them back on ketoconazole and different kinds of um, anti-yeast products. Right. But I think it, it's very important to understand that this die-off can be can be really aggravating for an animal. Like I, it can it can really make them sick. Uh yeast has about 30 different toxins and one of them being um uh the same chemical as they use for nail polish remover. Whoa. So you can imagine how irritating and burning the skin in that sort of reactive reactiveness of the skin getting really red and super itchy and painful and sweaty and moist and all of that because it's, it's literally affecting the epithelial lining like the lining of the skin it's mm-hmm. very caustic but when a when yeast dies it 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 can sometimes triple the amount of chemicals it produces as it, when it's dead. Wow. So it, it's almost like it's off gas. Yeah. I, mean, I try to, I try to compare it to things that people understand. So what happens is the yeast dies. It goes into the body like this, almost like if you can think of them, almost like a skeletal system, which they, they, you can sort of look at them that way. Then this big graveyard of yeast is dead and until the body is able to break that down, it's producing even more toxins. So that's called a die-off. Mm-hmm. And the dogs not only can get get itchy and and symptomatically worse from a from a skin perspective, they can feel really punky. They can yeah. feel really gross. They feel sick. They, you know, it, it can affect the liver because there's so many toxins, mm-hmm. and it's a it's an ugly mess. If, uh, if we really don't know what we're doing with it, because everybody has their best intentions and they read, you know, to give kefir and they read to get probiotics and they read to do this and to do that and apple cider vinegar and all of that's awesome. But you've got to be really careful how you're doing it and be able to pay really close attention if we're looking, if we start to look at a yeast die off. Mm-hmm. So, um, a, you know, many people don't understand that that fine balance of being able to uh, kill the yeast mm-hmm. at the same time 
not overdoing it and then move into a, um, a situation where then you're trying to heal the gut mm-hmm. and the, and the detrimental effects that the yeast has on the gut. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an, yeast is an interesting, an interesting, uh, disease or sim, sim, uh, syndrome or a, you know, overgrowth of unfriendly, uh, bacteria in it's it's almost like it has a for the way I approach it I approach it more as even though it isn't but I almost approach it more like a protozoa more like an entity rather Mm -hmm. than just bacteria Mm -hmm. I I approach it as something that is very uh easy to take over and is very toxic and can create a lot of damage. So I don't, when I am dealing with yeast, I don't take it lightly at all. Yeah. And, but what is interesting is that there should be a certain amount of yeast in their body. So there we go into this sort of eradication concept of eradicating everything, eradicating all, you know, pathogens with antibiotics, Mm -hmm. um, you know, eradicating anything that that we at some point in our science-based world has decided that is evil or bad or not, not needed or needs to be, you know, eradicated. Right. And when we eradicate anything, um, we run the risk of really unbalancing the whole ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to completely eradicate yeast. The yeast should be able to live in the body and not cause any kind of harm because the rest of the ecosystem is in balance that they, they all, you know, including clostridium, including E. coli, including all different kinds of pathogens that we assume are, you know, extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. They would all be seen in dogs naturally, but at very low count. And with the supporting bacterias keeping those counts where they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. right? Sort of uh, mandating them and, um, you know, keeping them colonized to a very, very, very small amount. But mm-hmm. they play a part. They play a part in the very big picture of the, of the ecosystem of the gut. Sure. What are some of the common um, issues that you see, like maybe physical symptoms that a pet may be suffering from yeast? Uh, well, it's definitely has a specific smell, mm-hmm. you know, and most of the time, you know, people say they sm- it smells like corn chips or dirty socks or dirty feet or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a distinct smell. It's usually quite, um, you know, they, certain dogs can, in between their toes, they can get sort of a layer of thick um, exodus, which is like, uh, like a thick, sometimes not almost pasty material that can be in their ears, between their toes with dogs, like with dogs that have folds, like any of the bully breeds, mm-hmm. you can see it in their skin folds. So that's definitely an easy way to find yeast. Mm-hmm. But for me, the yeast is, is uh, the the other thing that you can see was that when you're looking at them and they're just the, the scratching mm-hmm. is just over the top mm-hmm. and it often comes along with them looking sick. Mm-hmm. They just don't look well. They feel ill. They don't look well. 
they get a, you know, a, a, a funky smell, you know, hot spots can often start off just as a hot spot mm-hmm. and then secondary yeast and bacteria, um, happen, especially when, you know, another very important thing with, with anything, everything is coming from inside predominantly. Mm-hmm. Right. But when, when it moves to the top of the skin, everybody thinks that we can eradicate it by washing the skin mm. and it's the yep. polar opposite, right? The skin has its own microbiota. So it has its own environmental bacteria that's crucial for its, for its healthy existence. Mm-hmm. And every time we bathe them with soap or use like medicated shampoos, things like that. Or destroy- recently I've heard like a bleach bath. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It, everything, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's like eradicate, eradicate, get rid of, get rid of at any cost when we're not really realizing, you know, everybody's kind of understanding that if you give antibiotics, we can now finally, that we can make major problems in the gut, mm-hmm. you know, by just, by destroying not only the bad bacteria, but also the good bacteria can't differentiate. It's exactly the same thing as the skin. So when we're getting rid of yeast and bacteria and all of these crazy, um, you know, antimicrobials and antibacterials and antifungals and anti-everything, we're stripping that first layer of the microbiota or the microbiome of the skin tissue, right? We're, we're, right. we're stripping them of that, which means that we then can't... Um, expect the skin to function from a place of protection where mm. we're actually making things a lot worse. We might in the moment, you know, for a couple of days, that's the typical thing I used to hear at my clinic. I use this, you know, stuff the vet gave me and, you know, he seems really, really good. And he was really, really good for about a week, but mm-hmm. now he only gets really good for about three days. So now I have to be him every three days. And then that goes from like not helping at all. Right. And, and that's just because it tends to remove some bacteria and yeast that are that's causing sort of like the topical issue but then you're stripping it of its natural protection so then what's there gets exponentially worse it can just take off like a wildfire Mm. you know throughout the whole skin so it's it is it is incredibly important when you're dealing with allergies or or yeast that you don't destroy the the skin microbiome. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of people are desperate, you know, um, their dogs, you know, they're keeping him up at night, scratching so violently or maybe even whining because they're hurting, you know, they're hurting whenever they're scratching themselves um, to the point of bleeding. Um, And so I could see where, you know, a pet parent is going, just make this craziness stop. You know, it's got to be miserable for for this oh. pet, it's, it's causing us, you know, to, to not sleep. So um, I guess, you know, I, and I don't know, I, we can talk about maybe solutions as we get through a little bit, you know, into the call. But what do you tell that pet parent who maybe um, is desperate? You know what I mean? Like, well, I, understand I understand I need to, you know, do something, but I can't sleep, you know? Yeah. Well, not even can't sleep. I mean, I, I, I tend to be... Um, I get it, but if you can't sleep, you can imagine what your dog's feeling mm, like, right. you know, so, so 
my clinic had a very strong philosophy and that was above all do no harm. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree. I mean, I had, you know, one of the largest holistic veterinary hospitals, integrative veterinary hospitals in all of North America. And we, we never, you would never hear me go take your dog off all these drugs mm. or we got to take, that's the, that is probably to me the number one pitfall in holistic medicine where, uh, you know, animals come and then, you know, they, they, they remove all the conventional meds and whatever. And then they have like a full blown, um, uh, suppressive uprise it's called where when the drugs are on board, it's pushing the disease down. Mm-hmm. It's not getting rid of it. It's not curing it. It's just push, pushing it to a deeper level. But then like with anything, a elastic band or a water pipe with a piece of tape over it, it has a rebound effect. Mm-hmm. So when that rebound effect happens, when you, re- if you think of the drugs looking like a piece of tape that's over top of a hole in a pipe and the pipe holes not getting fixed, it's right. actually getting bigger but you don't see the hole, you don't see the water because there's a piece of paper or plastic on it or tape on it. Mm-hmm. So you take the tape off and then it explodes, mm-hmm. right? Exactly the same thing happens with suppressive drugs, which is what venectal P is and prednisone and atopica. They suppress the immune system. They suppress the disease. They don't get rid of it. Right. So when you remove those drugs, in my opinion, is one of the worst things that you can possibly do. Because you are going to put that animal into some massive stress. Sure. So with me, what we used to do is we would, first thing we would do is change their diet, Mm -hmm. right? So that's something that you can do that starts to support the healing process. Mm -hmm. And then we would do homeopathic remedies and we would start adding herbs and we would do all different kinds of, you know, specific probiotics or specific enzymes and depending on the, 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 the animal. And once we felt like they could cope with the reduction of the drugs, mm-hmm. we would start to reduce the drugs way slower than even the drug manufacturers would say to, to, to reduce it. Right. Because right. it's almost like doing a, um, I don't know how to explain this on a, on a, on the radio cause I can do it with my hands, but it's almost <laughs> like a graduation. So, so, you know, the drug is pushing the symptoms down the homeopathic and, and food and nutrition and probiotics are coming on board. Mm-hmm. So you're, you, you're going down with the drugs and up with the holistic support mm-hmm. down with the drugs mm-hmm. up with the, so that they, you, you come to a point where they're balanced, right? Then as soon as you see that everything's still okay, you go lower, right? Mm-hmm. So you keep going lower with the drugs as you watch how the disease is manifesting and rebounding. Sure. To me, that is the best way, in my opinion, of not having your animal go through, in my opinion, undue stress, yeah. right? And, and, and I don't, you know, like, my my practice was a primary holistic practice and we did adjunct conventional medicine. So we did surgeries and all kinds of blood works and diagnostics and things like that. Mm-hmm. But our first call of action was holistic medicine, not not the opposite, which most holistic clinics were, where their right. first plan of action is conventional and then they did adjunct holistic. Right. So 
so we were able to most of the time um, find that balance. And, and I'm going to be super straight and honest with everybody on here is that there are some animals that they needed to stay on what we call micro doses of, of drugs. Right. But when we say micro doses and people would be like, well, that's, you know, I had pharmacists and everybody saying to me, well, the amount of prednisone that that dog is on is non, not only non-therapeutic, it's impossible that it's working. There mm-hmm. is no therapeutic value at all. Mm-hmm. And I would know that's not true because if we took them off it completely, they would relapse. So right. my feeling about that is that because we spay and neuter them, because they we have so many obstacles to cure with animals that are mm-hmm. companion animals from, you know, them not being able to have free lives and being cooped up and not eating very good food and the amount of chemicals that they're bodies are absorbing through walking through roundup or walking through like it's just it's amazing that they're alive Mm -hmm. period i know yeah you know seriously they're they're so resilient resilient it's in it's incredible Mm -hmm. so you know our goal and most of the time we were able to get them off of everything but there Mm -hmm. were animals where people would come back and just be like you know i can't watch them like this i just Mm -hmm. can't watch them so we would do that we would have that approach where we would be supporting the whatever drug it was. So if it if it seemed to be harsh on the liver, we would be supporting their liver beyond imaginable. And when we would be reducing the drug, that really you would see no liver values going up. There would be no side effects of the drug because it was a fraction of the amount. So I do believe because their, you know, venectopy and prednisone are, are type of steroid, right? Mm-hmm. A corticosteroid, um, that that animals lack their sex hormones. And when they lack their sex hormones, that's like a waterfall for the hormonal to become imbalanced. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that sometimes they're in situations where, where they do need to stay on drugs, but those drugs aren't going to shorten their lives or make their lives less, um, have, have less quality. Right. So it really is that fine balance and every single owner, every single pet parent, every single animal is an individual of, you know, what they can tolerate there. I I actually went back to school at my clinic and and did a functional medicine course so that Mm -hmm. I could learn how to evaluate the functionality of not just the body, but even the person's situation. You know, a lot of people feel guilty. And then they try something, it doesn't work, like holistically, doesn't work. Sure. They feel so guilty, they just go back full on with the drugs because right. they can't stand to watch their animals suffer, which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. But they also don't, literally don't have the time. They don't have mm-hmm. the time to run back and forth to the vet clinic or they don't have the money or whatever. But for me, if you guys can work with a, with a really qualified holistic veterinarian that will mm-hmm. work with your regular vet. If you don't have a really good holistic vet in your town, that the two of them will work together and, and, and do that really slow, um, mindful decrease of drugs as you're, as you're supporting the dog's healing process at the same time. Right. Because right. you can do that. It is hundred percent doable. Yeah. And it's not so stressful on everyone. Um, yeah. 
to see that. I mean, and it is, it's very hard to, to watch your dog be in that much agony. Um, you mentioned too, kind of looking at the whole picture, um, that leads me to another question. What are some of the things, I guess, common causes that you find that, that cause an overgrowth in yeast in our pets? Um, one thing that I want to mention, because I don't forget, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, it's a common cause. It may not be a cause that everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's for sure. That, like, we're going to remove that and it's all going to go away. Mm-hmm. But, um, synthetic, uh, bedding is a, is a big one because mm-hmm. they've proven research where, uh, natural bacteria can live healthily on, like good bacteria lives and produces and re, you know, um, reproduces on things like cotton and wool and natural fibers. Mm-hmm. Whereas an animal that's living on synthetics, just the, because the pathogens seem to be stronger than, than often stronger mm-hmm. than the other bacterias, they seem to be able to survive in anything, right? So the good bacteria die, so then the pathogenic and the yeast and stuff flourish. Hmm. So I, I, I right away tell people to um, make sure that what their dog is predominantly lying on, even themselves, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of uh, sprays and things like that that they put on, like chemical sprays that they use for, for couches and chairs and things. Right. It's really great just to buy a really pretty 100% cotton or 100% wool um, uh, or a natural fiber, whether it's hemp or it doesn't really matter. Sure. Uh, so that you're, you yourself, especially if you're wearing shorts or anything that there's, there's a barrier between that synthetic and, and skin period. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing that can cause it Two is definitely the imbalance of, um, the proper gut bacteria. Because mm-hmm. the minute that bacteria that's that should be the specific bacteria that keeps yeast in balance gets killed or mm-hmm. dies, then the yeast just you know populates beyond imaginable and really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be looking at um, keeping the gut really healthy, as healthy as you possibly can with food and um, you know, making sure that the gut lining is staying healthy, really paying attention to food, paying mm-hmm. attention to, you know, glycemic amounts in your food, like the amount, the amounts of sugars that you're giving, right. you know, the types of, the types of vegetables, even, you know, that, that we go through, like I have a yeasty beast protocol and actually in the protocol, it gives suggestions of, um, the types of food to sort of stay away from, and the types of food to try to incorporate. So diet, mm-hmm. um, anything that creates an unfriendly or an unbalanced ecosystem will allow yeast to proliferate. Sure. So it's not like all of a sudden I've gone out and I've contacted yeast. They don't yeah. contact yeast. Yeast is in there mm-hmm. naturally. And and is is natural and fine to be there. It just is a problem when it becomes out of control Mm -hmm. and it um, overpopulates. Yeah. And I think another piece of it that um, I I don't think is maybe talked about 
enough too is a lot of people don't realize, you know, if you ask them, you know, has there been a change in your environment? Has that, you know, did grandma move in? Did, you know, the kids come back from college or, you know, whatever that is. And even though the dog may seem happy, it's still, it can be stressful. And stress also can contribute to an imbalance. Yeah. Well, I think, I think when I say look after the gut, I mean, if you were to say to me, what, what keeps the gut imbalanced, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that answer was more like, why does yeast happen? Yeah. So if you don't, the things that can unbalance the gut, you cannot believe what can unbalance. Oh, sure. Stress is, stress is probably, well, antibiotics, poor non-species specific food and mm-hmm. stress are probably mm-hmm. the two major contributors to an un, to an unbalanced mm. uh, ecosystem in the gut. Right. So stress for me is, is not just, you know, if your grandma dies and your family's stressed or you move away, he moves away from his favorite dog park buddy, or, sure. I mean, those are stresses that we can all understand. Mm-hmm. The stresses that I think are, are more common to contribute to the, the microbiota of the gut are what I call, um, you know, animals living in an urban environment, meaning they aren't allowed to be dogs, right? So we don't, we have, we're all about dogs, species specific diets, but not a lot of people are about, you know, species oriented, um, environments and behavior, you know, very good point. I, I did a lecture once in Chicago all about it is, is it, it, when we think about what naturally a dog would be doing and not that long ago, like even when I was a kid, you know, you open the door, they take off, they run around the neighborhood in England. When I was at the, at the British homeopathic veterinary surgeons, they call them latch and key dogs. So, you know, the farmers wake up in the morning, they open up their gates and all the dogs go wherever they, you know, they go and herd the sheep and they go, but they also go into town and go to the butcher store and they fight (laughs) and they breed and they, they live a dog's life. You know, do they get cut? Do they get puncture wounds? Yeah, for sure they do. You know, they're, but they're, that's a, that's a, that's a dog's life. And that's not like 200 years ago. That's like 50 years ago, right? It's not very long. Yeah. So when you think what they're like now, when someone comes home and it's a, it's a hard call because you're coming home, you love your pet, you want your dog to be a member of the family and you walk in the, the, the apartment and they're crazy happy to see you, right? They've been alone all day, which was really non-dog like sure, to be yeah. away from their pack. So there's one thing right away and then they're so excited. So they're running up and down and they're barking and they're expressing right? Mm-hmm. They're expressing their emotions. That's what they do. They jump up on you. They bark, they get excited. And it's everybody's, Oh, put your, you know, shh, quiet, stop barking, you know, like, you know, put your, you know, indoor voice. And it's like, <laughs> right. Whoa, like, you know, maybe indoor voice with a child that can go to school and run around and e- express and get their, their emotions out. But to say that to a dog, like it's, you know, they're so suppressed in general, in general, their, their, their ability to communicate, their ability to sniff crotches or even go out and, I mean, with COVID now it's very different, but, you know, go to a dog park and, you know, one dog sniffs another dog's bum and someone's taking their leash and pulling their leash away. It's like, okay, right. 
they're, they're finding out who that dog is. They're communicating. It's how they communicate. Yeah. So we we're saying think, stop being a dog. Exactly. Yeah. That's probably the number one stressor, constant mm-hmm. stressor mm-hmm. that dogs have. Yes, they have the exaggerated stressors, you know, people going through divorce, then picking up the energy of the family. I mean, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. No, nope, for sure. Yeah. But dogs have a chronic stressor every single solitary day, hmm. which is kind of sad, but I also feel like it's a it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for people to get more dog-like. Mm-hmm. And I think if people got more dog-like, we're, we're expecting our dogs to be more people-like. That's right. So yep. let's try and meet them halfway a little bit and get yeah. more dog-like, you know, and more dog-like is, you know, get off of Facebook, roll around on the ground if you can't go out because of COVID, you know, live in the moment, live in the moment. (laughs) I always say your dog would rather you spend 15 minutes doing something with it than posting its picture on Facebook for 15 minutes. Very good point. Who's who's really doing what? So yeah. And you know, you do your best, right? Like you just, Mm -hmm. but if you can get present being more, like if you can learn stuff, we can learn so much from our animals. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. So if we can kind of step our foot into their lives a little bit, it really would do us a world of good for our stress levels. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, um, so yes, definitely that contributes to all kinds of diseases, like not just, you know, Cushing's disease, um, leaky gut syndrome, which then goes into, uh, loads of different autoimmune diseases, Mm -hmm. um, the imbalance of bacteria, the overgrowth of yeast, Anything that unregulates the natural enzymatic metabolites in the gut Mm -hmm. will cause disease. Sure. You know, and stress is definitely one of them. Right. And what would you say to the pet parent who maybe is in a vicious cycle? So, you know, they've, they've experienced yeast, their dogs are red, itching, you know, all of those things, smelly. Um, they take them, you know, for a conventional vet visit and they get the antimicrobial shampoo, they get the medications and they're good for a little bit. And then whammo, it all comes back. So they're kind of in that just kind of hamster wheel of never getting to the root of it. What do you, mm-hmm. what do you say to those people? Well, <clears throat> there's, there's, I have something that we call, it's on our website. I think it's called our, um, our emergency protocol or something like that. Um, and it's, it's cause we have the leaky gut protocol and then we have, um, uh, we also have the yeasty beast protocol. Mm-hmm. So the yeasty beast protocol has no, no probiotics in it whatsoever. Right. It's really, really focused with, um, specific enzymes, mm-hmm. like really, really specific enzymes, because what you want to do is you want to starve. First thing you want to do is starve the yeast, mm-hmm. right? So don't, don't give it stuff that's going to, that's going to keep it proliferating. Right. So you starve the yeast from like sugars and things like that. And then you want to have specific enzymes and herbs that literally ingest the yeast. So mm. not just kill it, you want it to eat it. So so the the enzymes that we use specifically for yeast, they're given away from their meals. So the enzymes that you give to a dog to digest their food, this is different. 
Got you have it. to give it give it on a little bit of food, but really, its main goal is to um, to to ingest the yeast. Hmm. So, so what I do if they're really bad? Because sometimes if we do the yeasty beast protocol on some dogs, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's all they need, and then you always have to go into a leaky gut protocol because you have to heal the gut after the yeast has been in there, or you're just gonna. It's just going to come back again if you don't repeat it again. Okay. Yes. Good. Good. So, but if, if an animal goes on, if an animals have been really bad, they're on lots and lots and lots of drugs. This is a process. You can't expect it to, it's not a suppressive process. It's getting down to the root, mm-hmm. right? So you're not just giving something that's going to suppress the symptoms. You're getting, you're going to something where it's going to go down deeper. So I recommend that if people are really bad, if the people, if the animal's really bad, right. that they start with a yeasty beast protocol for two mm-hmm. weeks. Then they go on the leaky gut protocol for two weeks. Then they go back on, then they actually go on Phytos flora, which is our, which is a probiotic that is also have fulvic and humic acid in it. And what that does is that, that adds the two different probiotics that's the only canine species probiotic, right? That's out there on the market. It's a, it's a different kind of pro, probiotic because it actually has an immune modulate. It's, it's the only one on the market that can say it has a scientifically proven immune modulation ability. Amazing. And that's what we want. Yeah. So suppressive drugs like steroids and atopica, they're immune suppressives. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is the animal's immune system is low they get secondary bacteria and an overgrowth of yeast, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they're pushing their immune system down. So the body can't naturally fight it. So you don't want it to go down, but then with autoimmune diseases, you don't want to ramp up their immune system. Exactly. So, yeah. So what Phytos flora, we, like I said, we can actually make claims. Um, Phytos flora is an immune modulator. So it helps to balance the immune system. If it goes too high, it brings it down. If it goes to low, it brings it back up. That's so awesome. we, we, if, if people go on our website, which is adoredbeast.com, you can find, or even, even, um, go under a customer service questions. And it's, it's either, we either do yeasty beast, leaky gut, phytos flora, or I think we actually do yeasty beast, leaky gut, yeasty beast, and then, I don't know. It's it's terrible. I can't even remember. But what it what it what it winds up doing? It's it's a slower process, mm-hmm. but it's a deeper, kinder, more gentle process. So that yes. at the end of the day, you're not going back to the vets and going back on more drugs. Got I it. I mean, that's the goal, right? And you called this like an emergency. Is that what I you think said? it's called an emergent? Our I think it's our emergency protocol or our um um. Oh, I think it's a, the relief protocol. Relief. Okay. Yeah. That's great. And I'll, um, I'll make sure to men- mention that in the show notes, show notes as well, because um, I, I love that it's, you know, touching on the yeast part, but also the healing of the gut kind of going back and then also introducing the um, immune modulating um, flora. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's immune modulating flora and it's also got fulvic and humic acid, which is a chelation therapy that helps to pull things like 
glyphosates and heavy metals and toxins and stuff out of the body. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really, I mean, the, the bacteria that's in there, that was a huge thing for me because it was the first true canine species probiotic in the world. Hmm. So it's made from dog feces. That's what it's made from. So all the probiotics out there right now are all human probiotics, right? right? And none of them have been researched to be able to, that we know 100% can maintain in the acidity level of a dog's gut. So our guts are very alkaline. Their guts are very acidic. Mm-hmm. So the probiotics that we use out there right now are based on the alkaline levels of a human. Right. And so we did, we did this massive four-year study and produced, um, uh, found twice, isolated 12 bacteria, chose two from dog feces, chose two. And the reason that we chose those two was because they, we, we were able to prove that they withstood the acidity level and stayed viable, stay mm. alive in a dog's gut, got to where it needed to go to be able to produce the metabolites that it's supposed to produce. And those metabolites were, were just phenomenal at their ability to modulate the immune system and um, suppress the production of E. coli, salmonella, and clostridium. So nice. I got excited about that for all the raw food feeders out there that are being scared to death because of those pathogens. Mm-hmm. Um, it made sense to me because dogs are supposed to be eating raw food, right? So when you feed a dog a probiotic from a dog, right, from an actual dog that has like the DNA and the, 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 the specifics that a dog needs, not a specific what a cow needs, which is what all of our, you know, our other probiotics are from. Mm-hmm. It made sense to me that it was so incredible at, at keeping all of those pathogens at bay because that would be what naturally they would do. That, that would be what would happen. Right. So that's a, you know, that's a, important part of the whole rotational aspect of gut health because you can't Mm -hmm. just go out buy one thing or feed a bunch of different things and think that that's going to be all you need it's not true the gut the gut has needs diversity and we never ever recommend anything less than like 14 strains we go up to 16 different strains and then it's also what you put with it and how you rotate it right Mm -hmm. that keeps that that environment diverse and um, dense with the metabolites that an animal needs to produce vitamins even like it's that simple if you don't have the if your dog doesn't have the proper bacteria in its gut Mm -hmm. it you could feed it the best food in the planet and it won't be able to produce the metabolites of even producing vitamins yeah which is crazy um if, if you were to maybe say too, like, how do you like moving forward? So let's say, you know, you have the dog who is in this kind of crisis mode and you've, you've gone to this relief protocol. How often would you suggest introducing maybe the yeasty beast protocol again and the leaky gut protocol? So I, 
I don't think, and you know, I, I'm very conscious of, of people's um, ability to afford to, to purchase sure. things. Mm-hmm. Um, Adoric Beast is not an inexpensive product. We use zero fillers. We meticulously source things and we use really expensive ingredients because all we use is um, ingredients that come from a human professional compounding company for, mm-hmm. for naturopathic doctors, right? Because right. I, I understand the importance of that in order mm-hmm. to maintain health. So the way I did it was that people could rotate them and get their animal to a, um, uh, a level of mm-hmm. health and then use one product at a time. So you, you use one, you run out of it. You use the next one, you run out of it. You use the next one, you run out of it. It's not hard to follow. Don't have to be a rocket science to figure out. You just run out of a jar and you buy the next one. And what that does is every single one of our products supports a specific system in the body as well. So not just the gut, right? Mm-hmm. So it, gut and bladder and lungs and eyes and heart and muscular skeletal. And so when you're doing the probiotics, when you're doing the, any of the, any of our gut health products, mm-hmm. you're also supporting a system of the body. So when you, when you rotate through them in a course of the year, you're also supporting all the different systems for our overall health, mm-hmm. not just, not just gut health. Sure. So, you know, we've, we've designed it to be able to, you know, I personally believe that, that when you rotate correctly is ideal, you know, that's, that's ideal that you're making sure that you're, the liver is clean and the mm-hmm. pancreas is functioning correctly and they're working together as a team, right? Like, you know, our, we have a, a liver tonic product that I, we've called it liver tonic, but it's really the whole system. It's mm-hmm. got herbs that support the gallbladder, the pancreas, the liver and the kidneys. Mm-hmm. So, because that's what you want to do. They work as a team. They don't work independently. They don't go, Absolutely. Oh, well, I'm just working. Right. So if the liver gets taxed, the gallbladder and the pancreas kick in. Right. Like they, they support each other. So rather than waiting till one fails and then start on an herb or something to then help try to heal that, Mm -hmm. why not support the whole team so that nobody fails? Right. So that, you know, everybody stays strong. And that's the whole concept of the whole line. And the the reason that happened is because I dealt with so many sick animals. Sure. For the first five years of my practice, I got the worst, the worst, like, always end stage. If you can't help me, we're putting it down. If you Mm. can't help me, my husband's going to, you know, put it up for adoption. If you can't help me, I'm going to do this. If you can't help me, like it was always end stage stuff. We've spent $25,000. He's no better off. We have no more money. Can you please help us? Like I saw that for five years. So, so I, I needed to figure it out where you're not just compart. You can't compartmentalize. Holistic medicine isn't compartmentalizing. It's mm-hmm. looking at the entire body throughout a year, right? Throughout the right. four seasons, you've got to look at. You've got really got to look at everything. You don't have mm-hmm. to do anything, but you know, from my perspective, the best way to be looking at health is to rotate through all the symptoms throughout a course of the four seasons. Right. And then go back again. Yeah. And that's kind of how they're all formulated so that people don't have to be scared 
They don't have to be, oh my gosh, do I do this? They don't have to have 25, 35, 36 products on their counter and be like, am I, you know, the dog goes to eat its food and all it tastes like is herbs (laughs) or, or nutraceuticals or probiotics. It's like, it, it, it's not, and they're, that's why we're all in such small containers, right? Because mm-hmm. our containers are tiny because there's nothing in it, but active ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I don't want a dog's food to taste like our products. Yeah. Right. I want it to, I want it to enjoy its food right. cats or horses right. or whatever. So there's, you know, there's been a lot of thought that goes in so that you guys don't have, I want everyone to be as educated. If you want to be educated and you want to learn, I would sit here for days and just teach and educate and empower. Really. Absolutely. That's fantastic. But for people that have kids that are going to soccer and they're like, they don't even have time to have a bath some days. Exactly. I want to try and remove that stress mm-hmm. for them so you can get as much education or as little as you want, you know, and mm-hmm. just know that they're formulated that you don't have to be scared of them, you know? Yeah. Well, so on the dog that is going through the protocol and, you know, they're, they're starting to heal and, and things are starting to kind of turn for them, but they also still are developing hot spots and, you know, they're still licking on themselves. What are some of the suggestions you have for topical um, use for dogs to maybe help, you know, some of those symptoms subside a little. Yeah. Well, I think, I think if they're still doing that, first of all, if they're still doing that, it does, it means that there's still residual effect, Mm -hmm. right? So that you still have to stay focused on everything, right? Like you still have to be looking at, is there something that is triggering them that we can take out of their diet? Is there something that's triggering them that we, you know, we don't, we aren't really conscious of. So try to be really super conscious of when do they get triggered? If they get triggered in the spring, start cleansing their liver in like, let's say they start getting itchy in May. I'm just going to use that or June, you know, start cleansing their liver in April. Start giving them liver support so that it, like when you give, when you support the liver, you want to, you want to make sure that the herbs that you're giving um, help with like mast cells and histamine response, things that have to come to the forefront with allergies and sensitivities, right? So mm-hmm. be proactive, you know, try to, try to write out, um, you know, months or seasons or, um, uh, whatever to, to, to be more, to be able to be more proactive, right. right? In, in knowing when that happens. So that's one thing. The next thing is, depending on what it is for topical, I um, I love doing kefir and probiotic masks. I love that. Uh, we use kefir in either Phytosflora or kefir and uh, uh, love bugs. And you okay. mix it together. The recipes are on our site too. Okay. You mix it together. You put them in the bath. You massage it all in. You leave it on as, as long as you possibly can. Then you rinse it off. You don't wash it off. You don't use soap, mm-hmm. right? So leave it on. If you can leave it on them for, you know, or even just keep them in the bathroom and put them on a towel. Um, if they lick it, it's fine. It's kefir and probiotics. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So, and then when you rinse it off, then you do a rinse with um, just with warm water 
and then you can rinse it with green tea or chamomile tea, uh, teas that have a calming and soothing effect, like naturally if you're ingesting them. Green tea mm-hmm. is great because of the antioxidants, even if it's topical. So you can do that, and so, or sometimes you could maybe do the I, – I'd get people to have like um, green tea – and chamomile tea spritzers in their fridge in the summertime so that mm-hmm. they can spritz the, the areas that are, are bothering them or getting inflamed. But yeah, topical, topical masks are really, really good. And they, they tend to be less of a concern than giving it internally. Like when you're, when you're worried that you're giving too many probiotics internally and mm-hmm. the yeast is getting worse, like the die off, mm-hmm. when you do it topically, there's less concern of a, of a die off, like a, an internal die off mm-hmm. and, and more of an external die off, which is awesome because then that just gives relief. Right. Right. Okay. That's great info. Um, anything else you can think of um, that would be helpful to know kind of just as we're wrapping it up today? Um. Be, be really careful with the, like, I'm super duper excited that probiotics are, are a main, I'm at main stage right now. I'm very excited about it. But as with everything, when something becomes popular, it becomes industrialized. Mm -hmm. And be really careful when you're choosing your probiotics, that the science has gone into the probiotics, that you're not just using one or two strains, the the strains that are, you're using are appropriate for your animal that you're rotating your, um, uh, you know, that you're not just out there. I I wrote something called the overcultured canine because, you know, people were using probiotics like crazy and feeding kefir and fermented foods and they're just overdoing it. And when you overdo it, those particular bacterias are something called transient bacterias. They're not your native bacteria. And people are still eating grains and people are still eating fiber. And the fiber and the grains are what the transient bacteria survive on. They're like a, like they're like a a probiotic or a prebiotic, I mean. So if you don't, aren't feeding the appropriate prebiotic and you're dumping in all of these probiotics, what can actually happen is that the native bacteria, which is the bacteria that your dog or yourself or your cat are born with, mm-hmm. they aren't transient. They don't leave. They stay in the lining of the gut. They mm-hmm. live there. So the transient guys are like the workers coming into the city doing their job. And then the, the native bacteria are like the people that have always lived there. Mm-hmm. But what happens is that there's not enough food to go around, then the transient bacteria eat all the food and then the native bacteria starve, right? So the Mm. transients are in there doing their job, but they also need to eat. And if you're not making sure, if you're overdoing the probiotics and you're not being conscious of your prebiotics, Mm -hmm. then your native native probiotic are going to get hungry, starve, and then they eat their house, which is your Mm. gut lining. Oh, wow. So by giving too many probiotics, you can actually cause leaky gut. Man, so okay. it's it's really that, and it's when I say too many probiotics, I'm talking about too many of sort of one strain, mm-hmm. right? And not paying attention to uh, a really good species oriented prebiotic mm-hmm. because 
what we use for prebiotics isn't necessarily great for dogs and cats because our guts are so much longer. Our pH oh, sure, balance yeah. is higher. We would consume more fiber than a, an animal would. So we have to be very careful of like inulin and fructose-based prebiotics, right? Mm-hmm. Like just the ones that we historically used for people and, and pay more attention. That's why I use Larch. Because until mm. I'm doing a I'm doing a prebiotic study right now on a different product, but um, right now to, the reason I came up with Larch is because Larch is um, made from birch or from bark from tree bark from actually a Larch tree, mm-hmm. and when I really looked, when I really really delved into this like 20 years ago, it's like how would animals get prebiotics, right? Like how would a dog or cat in the wild get prebiotics? Right. Well, it all comes from the gut of their prey. They get their Mm -hmm. prebiotics through eating their prey, like an entire prey, not just, unfortunately, now even species oriented food, they're eating predominantly muscle meat. They're not getting brains. They're not getting guts. They're not getting what's inside the guts. They're not getting eyeballs. It's still lacking, you know, substantially from true species oriented food. So I started looking at what that would be and every single prey that I looked at from squirrels to elk, to beavers, to rats, to birds, they all ate one, one, they had one thing in common and they Mm -hmm. all ate bark. Hmm. So to me, that was like the most, that bark would have turned into then a type of prebiotic in their gut. And then the dog or the cat would have ingested the mouse, the rat, the, the bird, the elk, whatever, the wolf would have ingested that. Uh, so that's why I started using Larch a long time ago. Right. And it's, it, again, it's really expensive to get organic Larch and it's, it's, um, but it, to me, it, it is an incredible prebiotic because it also has cancer fighting effects on top of even being an amazing prebiotic. Yeah. Yeah. For people, it's been researched to derail the metastases of tumors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But wonderful for the immune system. Yeah. Well, and again, people don't don't think in general, um, there's an awareness of understanding the role of prebiotics with probiotics and the quality and everything else that goes along with that. So that's a very, very good point. So this has been so enlightening, and I think this is going to help so many people because, unfortunately, um, yeast is—it's a—it's uh, kind of a pandemic out there, you know. It is, yeah. and I think that um, we've got a lot of of tools in the toolkit now of what people can do. And I also want to mention we carry your your line, you know, at Bark Avenue as well. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put your website and also this, you know, some of the information that we talked about in the show notes. So people will have that, um, you know, accessible as well. So thank you so much, Julianne. You are such a treasure of information and wealth of knowledge. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't even be able to get it out there if it wasn't for people like you. So thank you. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. And um, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. 
I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.